do love me an expert. This makes the conversation so much easier. Uh, we're bringing in our, our next guest uh, to continue this topic, actually. Uh, so it's really been really great this evening to get various opinions from different areas, different fields of expertise to kind of give you a, a more rounded picture of what's going on. Uh, Susan Ibbitt, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. I think I have a wrong angle. This can be fixed. You see, we can adapt. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, everything's great. Thank you very much for asking. How are you? Great. It's hot in Chicago, but we can survive. How old are you? I'm from England. We are not aware of heat in any way, shape or form. You'll have to describe that for me. Well, I live in London for a long time, so I love it. I yeah. love the fog and the dark that there is when I live in Chicago, so we're good to go. <laughs> great. Uh, maybe you can just tell our audience and listeners uh, what it is you do, what keeps you busy. What can we be? See, uh, people like you, thank God. I'm a human behavior hacker. Some people hack computers. I hack humans. I'm a profiler. I'm a civilian host and negotiator. I was a political consultant for 18 years, and I specialize in manipulation, obedience, and false implant payments and false confessions. And I do some advising for the police when they have difficult cases, analyzing a statement in some language. Fantastic. There is so much to work with here, so I need to choose oh, yeah. my questions carefully to get the most of your time for sure so i mean what's been your take of the the lucy letby case uh from from where you are i mean it's 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 huge in the uk at the moment it's obviously spilled out into the global uh news cycle what sort of things that can you like inform us about looking at her and what she's done and how it's been handled one of the things that I did for many years is I was a consultant for lawyers. So I helped the lawyers to do the opening statement. That's the best part, the best and the most important part in a trial and helping the clients, the witness and the, and the, and the, and, uh, and the expert to testify. One of the things, the common thing is most people think, oh, if someone did this and this and this is evil with a problem on the head, people just can be evil. And just people can be lacking of empathy and be manipulators and don't care what are the consequences and have a gut complex. And one of the things that I don't like about this trial is that we didn't have any access to the courtroom. Because one thing is when people drawing expressions, but other people, for people like me, they need to see that subtle when they look on the right or look on the left to understand on the context what is happening. And we didn't have a lot about the police interview either. But that catatonic state when she is picked up from the house at to the interview or the interrogation on the police, at that point was more an interview after that become an interrogation, that catatonic state is like people who is not guilty, they go with God. One of the reasons the trial lawyers, for example, they don't want to take innocent clients is because they think because they're innocent, the law is going to be in, in their side. And it's not true. So they don't fight for it. And she was calm, catatonic, like nothing happened. Yes, no, no emotion, nothing happened. She's complete or she was completely disconnected from reality. And actually I was reading some of the transcriptions. The only time she showed any emotion no other parents testify, no ex the doctors explain how the baby dies, is when the doctor who apparently she was having an affair show up and testify. It was the only time when apparently, through, again, through the transcription, we don't have video, she show any emotion. 
What does that tell you then? I mean, could this potentially be a coping mechanism for her? Uh, could it be that she is that much of a sort of sociopath, perhaps, that she doesn't really care? The gravity of the situation hasn't really uh, taken hold on her? Do you know what? It's a difference between sociopath and psychopath. And actually, it's more the nurture and nature. Dr. Kiel here in the United States find out that the sociopath have an amygdala who is 14 to 16% smaller. The difference between Ted Bundy and the president of the United States is, is the nature of the environment where you grow. So knowing if she's a sociopath or a psychopath, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer, not a psychologist, I'm a behavioral analysis. But for all the time that I have evaluated and seen reaction, she is simply disconnecting from reality because I don't think she realized she did something wrong. She, I, I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm poppy eyes because I shouldn't be here. She never defend herself. She never deny. If somebody come to you, Stephen, and accuse you to stealing a dollar, even a dollar, you're gonna be fighting, you're gonna be yelling, you're gonna be explaining what happened. She didn't do any, any of those. Has so, she maintained, maintained her innocent though? Do you, mean, do you mean that she's not vocally, you know, denying the charges? It's not, no. not, not enough passion from her? Nope. Because she still thinks, and you know what? They're, kind, they're different kind of lies, but the lies the most prominent how people lie to you is by omission. And information is power. People only can hurt you with the information you give them. The same way with the information you avoid to give. In this case, her control motion is not to give information. Everybody who have been seen um, um, at a trial where it's a psychopath, somebody kills somebody else and the body is not appearing, or the parents or the family wanna know what happened and why, the parents or the family beg to the person to tell them why, because that gives them closure. What is she didn't give to anyone? Closure. She maintained the control. That is a legal situation. To those parents who lost their kids and the hands of somebody who was supposed to be taking care of them on the most vulnerable time of their life, taking their life from them and taking away to the parents the knowledge to know why, because you're crazy, because you have, you, you have a miscarriage, you can have a baby, whatever. The why give the people who is, who is mourning some of closure. And she didn't do that. She even was to the point that she was looking on the Facebook for the parents who lose the kids. She even signed, signed notes. And even though she took pictures of them, actually there, there are more cases when the person who kills someone usually is on the crowd, seeing the police going through the scene because they enjoy when they miss in a spot. So again, I respected the, the psychologist who was before. I adore it. I follow him and you too. It's, I think it's amazing. So I will not gonna misrespect any of your guests in trying to impersonate anything that I don't, that I'm not. But I've been in this field since I'm 17, turning 52, believe me. I think more crazy people without any diagnostic because just they are evil. That's well, the way they are. 
let's uh, let's unpack, unpack that a little bit because I I use the term evil because uh, sometimes it just doesn't feel like there's an appropriate substitute for such a word. It, it seems to convey a lot. Now, how are you defining evil then? Because it seems, unless I've misunderstood you at the start of our conversation, you said you didn't think it was anything tied to a sort of mental illness or bad psychology. People can just be evil. So, w- what does evil mean to you? How can somebody just be evil? I'm going to take it to another context and apologize to your audience. I just want to give, I believe in content and context to understand concepts that are not for normal people. It's incomprehensible that somebody can do what they did. It's the same people. It's a masochism to the pleasure to see pain and it's not related to any mental illness. Some people have pleasure seeing videos of animals being tortured. And they're completely, quoting, normal in the society. They fulfill their desires because they don't have any desire. I work, we have two psychologists on the team. One of them is in London. And we were talking about this case. And I asked him to one of them, is it possible of the extreme of depression and null them to not feel anything, looking for extremes to try to feel something? And she looked at me like, every day I see this. So if it's true that she is depressed, as they say, and I want to talk about what lawyers didn't do during the trial and why maybe. When you don't feel anything, you have people who hurt themselves. When you see kids that they are depressed or being bullied or in close to themselves, you can see they're hurting themselves. They're pulling the skin of people who do this or the people who chew their nails to the point that they don't feel the fingers because the pain stimulates something on them because you're dead inside. And for people who never, I'm not justifying at all, not everybody who have any kind of depression is going to end up killing babies and babies, innocent, no defense, no, no justification for any kill, but it's because we don't know what is not to feel anything. So what about if feeling God and the way she did it, the so premeditated was for her feeling something. And it's, it's an information most media didn't, didn't have. She did a class related to injections and the way he was killing the babies as a prevention. You know what? No. She was trained not to... Ma- I, want, I don't want to be misleading how long before this happened. But that's one of the reasons that they know this premeditated because she was certified in how to inject uh, uh, with insulin and how to take care to avoid the things that happened. So she knew, calculated how to do it. I mean, that, this this idea of depression is an interesting one. And I, I accept, obviously, your clarification that you're not generalizing about all people with depression that would go on to commit these horrible crimes. But also, I mean, a, a certain treatments for depression, uh, you know, uh, medication, for instance, can actually create this uh, feeling of uh, a sort of maybe anti-anxiety medicine as well, because she, she was supposed to have depression and anxiety. Certain medicines can act in a way that does completely flatten your moods to put you at a place where you're you're not feeling much of anything. Is, is this is I mean I don't know if you know much about her medical history whether she was on any sort of medication at the time. No, there were really concealed and everything to have to do with her medical record. For example, uh, there were theories when I hear about the case and like okay, 
this uh, Munchausen can be, maybe she cannot have babies. Maybe she was engaged with someone and he cheated on her and he just had a baby. So she had a problem with having this baby. So the concept of the family, she destroyed families. Can be that she had a miscarriage. There are a lot of situations and reasons that the lawyers couldn't have used to justify and use pity because we have something called CSI effect. Actually, you have um, Casey Anthony. She was acquitted. And when you when they talk to the, the, the jurors, they says, we know she's guilty, but nobody can prove how the babies died. And in this case, nobody proved how the babies died either. So it was a lot of emotions. So what I'm saying is there are many reasons. You had two kinds of depressions. You had chemical depressions and provoked depressions. All of them happen here. So you have another medication. Antidepressants are most mood stabilizers, okay? And that's how much I can talk because that's how much I know. You have another medication who provoke it to go to psychosis. If somebody have a, a tendency to psychosis and sometimes take, they take mushroom or certain drugs that are not legal, they can have a psychotic break and they don't remember what happened. I have interviewed and interrogated people that they don't remember and truly they do not remember. When was the oxycodone fever in the United States? We have an increase in crimes. We have an increase on violence. We, we have an increase on prostitution in men and women under age. We have an increase of people who lost their career. And you says, how a person that's intelligent as a doctor know the consequences, get addicted to that and kill people. And you says, it's not understand it. So we don't have, I think one of the worst part and what is the conspiracy theory and everybody have their own idea is because we don't have enough information. And I think that we, it was from her to control the situation. And why maybe the lawyer didn't put the crazy pill on the table is because like the Una bomber, when the Una bomber was caught, the lawyer says, we're gonna declare you insane. Like, nope, because if you declare me insane, what I did is not gonna have any meaning. So if you declare me insane, I wanna change lawyers. What about if that was the strategy of the lawyers and she didn't want to? The solicitor do not have authorization without her, except some exception, either in, in UK or in the United States, to say things what the client shared with them. So what about if he tried that and she says, nope, because it's a reason why I did it. We don't have enough information. That is what drives crazy everybody like me, like, Give me information, I can give you a real profile. We don't have that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because we are we are kind of starved for the, the specifics, aren't we? And I think that, that goes to some way to how the UK court and reporting system works for sure. Uh, we've got a question here from Ray J. Yeah. Uh, and this is ties into behaviour again. Do the photos of Letby showing huge changes in image have any meaning? Uh, looks like a different person in the last lot of pictures. In, in the last pictures, I believe that means. I send your producer um, a document and I don't want to put it in, in, in the fire, but one of the things is um, the, the University of Edinburgh, Edinburgh um, Professor Erie, has been follow the loader effect study. It's a study done for more than 93 years, different groups were following 292 people and they found out the asymmetry on the face if you have, if you divide the face in two, for example, having one lip higher than the other, having one eye higher than the other, 
the eyebrows, the nose. She had two different faces. She had more than 15 asymmetries. And those studies show, now you're good to go. Okay. I have asymmetries, don't get me wrong. Eyebrows asymmetries and ears asymmetries are good, meaning that in your personal life and your business side, you can compartmentalize. We cannot do what we do and you cannot do talking about so crazy things every day if you don't compartmentalize and save your personal life. So that is not a problem, but she have more than 15 asymmetries. And it's proven that a person with more than that is emotionally unstable. And it's proven they have proved with famous people criminal. Actually, Joe Navarro is a former FBI agent, and he writes in Psychology Today about serial killers and the asymmetries on the face. Everything that is unbalanced doesn't allow you to accommodate. So your face and the asymmetry show that she is not balanced, that she is in control. And she's a doer. The lower zone, the emotional part that is the nose, and we're talking about face reading profiling among us for 5,000 years, this is the emotional part. This is the shorter part of her face. The part of the brain, the thinking, is shorter too. Now, from the nose to the chin, if you can see the picture, is double, meaning that she's a doer, I'm going to get it done, it's my way or the highway. This is, I mean, this is fascinating to me, but I mean, I suppose a lot of people will be wondering how much sort of peer-reviewed science underpins a lot of this, I suppose, on the face of it, on the face of it. To some people, this feels a lot like sort of facial tea leaf reading. Oh, yeah, I've been told that all the time. Like, And actually, I, one of the reasons I study manipulation, obedience, and all the things is because I can grab your hand and make you believe whatever I want because I'm going to have something to correlate. So I can understand people do that. That's the reason I mentioned the University of Edinburgh that has been doing a study for 93 years. Actually, the IG Nobel Prize, Nobel Prize was granted in 2000. 2000 this year to a group of research between Canada and United States, they find out the tangle of the hair and the way it's, it's, it's tangled can determine narcissism. Actually, you can be more, more accurate finding narcissism that way than another way. And University, University of Japan, <laughs> pardon my French, did a study over 140, people, 140 men and they found out that the length of the nose as compared to the length of 140 people. University, wide paper study. So we have more and more studies proven that it's a correlation of the changes of your face. For example, somebody who doesn't have absolutely any eyebrows that we call chameleon eyebrows. What happened, there are studies in 2002 done that they put Nixon and went on a writer. They erase the eyeballs, and people can recognize them for the shape of the eyebrows. Now, they grab another group, they erase the eyebrows and leave the eyeballs. Guess what? When the lack of eyebrows during the pandemic, our emotions were happening on the eyes. You can read the seven micro expressions on the eyes. So when I a lack of eyebrows, I don't know what's going on with you. Now, people who tend to have a shy personality or they know when to be a chameleon or not, a cancer patient then lose the eyebrows. And if you ask for a cancer patient in that, pro that point of the process, they don't want to be seen. There's a lot of correlations. A person who have thick upper and lower eyelid is more well-spoken. 
my upper lip is painted in that way so you can concentrate it and it look more even. But what happened is I cut my eyelid because for a couple of years I was blindfolding myself so I can exercise my other senses, my taste, my smell, my hearing to become more aware about how read that. And I can identify if it's a truck and a car, but that caused me to cut my upper lip. So I need to paint it in a special way. So there are a lot of signs coming. We have a lot of bad juju and past regarding face reading profiling. I get it. But like I always says, I can give you a car, you drink and drive. I can give you a car and you can save someone. And more than happy people don't agree. I respect that. Just I respect that this year, Psychology Today in March, put me as a top top expert on my field because they went to my 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 background, my clients and the cases that I resolved, and they put me out there. Right. So let's talk about manipulation because I know yeah. this is something that you you know a whole lot about. And just for a completely benign, uncontroversial question that won't annoy anyone, who's better at manipulation, men or women? Women get away with it. Okay. Explain. Okay, I'm going to tell you, for example, you call the police and um, in an aggression on a house. Men and women are bleeding, both have uh, scratches on the, on the body. Who's, who the police is going to separate and incarcerate? The man. The man. So you accuse a man of uh, sexual harassment. Anybody want to question? Look what happened when under her. The damage she did to the Me Too movement, I don't know how long it's going to take to recover because she lied. Actually, she was a bit, he was a bit liar than her, but another point. But <laughs> men, when men wanted to be controlling, they're dangerous. And more people think that the psychopaths, the majority are men. No. New studies showing that, and not a high, high percentage are women. The point is they can get away with that. Actually, serial killer women are almost on the same as men. Women uh, poison their victims, men kill by rage. I work on a serial killer case here. She barbecued the victims. Nobody can find the bodies. And she got away with that for decades. So I don't think it's in a specific gender who manipulate more or less. Is the tools you have, what are the stake, that's the reason some studies in universities say, okay, great, but you don't have a high stake. Let's put that on the, on the street. And that is different. So it's who can get away with, who can go away with one order? Women have more possibilities to do that. And as a female who work in a male, in a male business, most of them are like, you should defend us. But that's science, that's the truth. Uh, labeling people is extremely dangerous. We cannot do that. We did an experiment based on Solomon Ash study on 1956. We put four people that we pay for as students and we bring 27 one by one to a lab. I was wearing a lab coat. Everything was purple, lavender color. And we says, okay, you're coming to test the product. So the first person, again, the first, the first force were our people we pay for it. The first says, oh, this lavender remind me to my grandmother. Again, they didn't say lavender anywhere. The first, the second, the third. 
what guess what happened with the 27 people the one by one we bring to do the testing oh this lavender candle is lovely is who have the authority everybody called me dog so he never questioned neither of them question if i'm ca any kind of doctor if you have a policeman says um a copper don't cross the street you're gonna stop now you have a homeless you're not gonna do it if a doctor tell you take a med if a nurse says your kids are gonna be okay you think it's gonna be okay we are easy to manipulate when we sleep deprived when we are sad when we are angry and when we are happy and having a baby and and having a baby you see neonatal is a mix of happiness and sadness and anger so if somebody who have the authority says everything is okay that is a type of manipulation influence whatever you're going to call it because we respect the authority because we were born and raised to do it and you go to a hospital because you have an authority who's going to save your life and your kids so how she get away with murder because she was an authority that's the way you manipulate people yeah it's huge abuse of authority for sure i mean in, in terms of manipulation do you feel in your experience it's something that people um just have as maybe like a personality type or it's something that they learn you know what there are things that are innate and learn and i think that people for personal experience and what i see learn to survive and survival depend on the jungle is what you need to do if you're a kid of parents who are uh drug addicts abusers in order to avoid to be abused, in order to be a victim, you need to manipulate the situation, you need to read the situation, you need to get away the situation. Now, what we learn at home is what we get on the rest of our life. So when somebody has been surviving an abuse mechanism for so long, they don't understand anything else. So sometimes the manipulation is a way to surviving, disconnecting from the feelings because the people who bring you to this world, who's supposed to love you the most, is the one who abuses you the most. How you can cope with somebody's gonna take care of me, I need to take care of myself. And that is a way to manipulate. Someone who is in a foster home, knowing that getting someone with money is gonna give them away, it's a way to manipulate, but it's a way to survive in. So there are two kinds of influence or manipulation. You have one that is for surviving and another is for, com for calm. Become calm when, when you try to become get a fraud, get someone to do something they don't want to do, is something against their will. Cult. Uh, people who give their kids uh, to sell them for drugs. There were to manipulate people. There are many, many ways. There can be learned and they can be born to. Maybe you've just got enough time because a lot of people are fascinated by this, this, this term hacker in terms of human behavior. How, how does one hack the human behavior? Well, what I do and most people do is extremely intrusive. We have humans. We go through your head either because somebody asks you or because somebody hires you to get to you faster, create a report. If I know how you think, if I know how you process information, I know how I talk to you, I can get from you everything that I want. Do I have permission to do it? 90% of the time not. So I'm hacking humans. Some people does it with computer, I do it with human. 
that's the reason the term a human behavior hacker. So would you say, I mean, in general, is, is the human brain just one big human computer in a sense? Do you leave any space for what people would, I suppose, consider a soul or consciousness? How does that kind of thing work in, in terms of the human brain for you? I think that everybody have a conscience. It's what you lie to yourself with a conscience come first or you send them to the back. So if you need to do something in order to survive, because if you know if you don't do it, you don't survive, you need to put your conscience aside in order to do it. So that's what I'm saying is easy. I'm not talking about this crazy. I'm talking about the normal person that in every day. When you're gonna cross the light, you know that your wife is waiting for you, the dinner is there, you have been late every day. You cross the, the red light and you cause an accident. Your conscience when you was crossing the red line was as an urgency of your needs because you don't want to be sleeping with the dog again tonight. So at the moment you did it, your conscience was like, you better run, it's gonna, you're gonna get in the doghouse again. Now your conscience changed when you caused the accident and based on the consequences of that accident. Everybody does it. If I need to get to the train where I live in the forest, so I need to get to the train, sometime oversleep, I hit a little the gas more than I should. <laughs> I have a conscience, yeah, that my clients are gonna chop my head if I'm not in on time on court or in a case. Yeah, I have a conscience. As soon as I get to the train, like, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God, I promise not, I'm gonna do it again. And I do it again. We're humans, we're imperfect, we are complex. That's what makes us unique and amazing. And that's the reason he's so obsessed with the human behavior and the human psychic. Serial killers, oddities, and um, mental health are the three top shows around the world. Why? We're fascinated. Well, talking of fascinating, this conversation has been fascinating and I, I've learned a lot and there's definitely a lot of me for me to add to my reading list for sure. But Susan, thank you very much for speaking to us. It, it's been a pleasure. Uh, quickly, if you could just let people know where they could find out more about you and your work and, and things that you have to, to show content wise. I have an advantage. My last name is unique. So Google Susan Iwitz or go, go to susanivitz.com or humanbehaviorlab.com. Those are my two companies. You can find it. We have newsletter. We have videos. We're going to do something about AI. Guess what? AI is becoming stupid. It's people falls, but people can fix it too. <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much for speaking to us. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Take care.